Good to see y'all. Uh, we've got Mr. Mercury, Matt, Yaden, the brain, the left and right brain of Rocky Mountain Pro. How you doing, brother? I am good. It's good to be here with you guys. I appreciate appreciate you uh, having me on. That, uh, I love coming on and talking about everything that's going on here in Colorado and trying to always expand what we have happening here. It's a great state and there's a lot of good stuff happening in it, so I appreciate the opportunity. People like you that are trying to help spread the word, so thank you. No, it's my pleasure. Oh, pleasure all of ours. You, uh, yeah. you prefer, uh, where did the mercury come from? Uh, senior year of high school, Latin class. And just, just, looking, just looking through the Latin textbook, and I thought, oh, mercury seems kind of cool. If I wrestle, I'll do that. Some Quicksilver? And that's it. Yeah, it just worked. I had a move called the Quicksilver Cutter once. And uh, uh, what do you prefer? I know when you're around bros, do you prefer Yaden? you prefer Matt? I really don't care, honestly. I, I'm called multiple different things. Um, I got a couple people that'll call me Merc. Uh, and, you know, like Scotty, our head of performance there that does the strength and conditioning, calls me Merc. Um, a lot of people call me Aiden. Most people, like most of my closer friends, uh, you know, out in Ohio and uh, anybody that I've known for a long time, they'll call me Aiden because it's just a lot more unique than Matt. But a lot of people call me Matt, too. I, think I get a few Matthews, so I'm really... I'll, I'll answer to any of them. Yeah. So it, it, whatever you guys, whatever's easiest to call me or easiest to remember, then yeah, that's fine. I, I'm good with either one of them. I, I've just called you Yaden, and I and like yeah. I said, I was kind. It was kind of it was kind of uh, it was kind of weird when I would call you that because I remember the first time when I was doing wrestling and I was doing a seminar and I mean you know big guns. He's like, mm-hmm. look. I don't care what you got to do. Take PTO. Do whatever you need to do. There's this four-day seminar you need to go to. No, actually, no. It wasn't the four-day seminar. It was the seminar where we. it was uh, Matt, Marty DeMoss. And he uh-huh. said, hey, take PTO if you need to. If you need to get a ride, fine. Go up, go up there. And then I met you for the first time. And I was like, literally... I'm like I'm a big guy, but I'm like I'm like nervous as shit, especially with wrestlers and who I grew up on. So met you, nervous as shit. Met Marty Nutmoth, nervous as shit. Went to the four day seminar, really nervous as shit because I didn't say anything to anybody. But uh, I, I want to go ahead and put you. Uh, I want to go ahead and put this out right now. You do run one of the best uh, seminars that I've ever had the pleasure of going to, and I've I've went to a few of them. And every time I go there, I come back. With something that I didn't know before, I always have like a notepad. I always try to get a little better at what I do. Mm-hmm. It's not just being a wrestler, it's being a referee, cutting a promo, whatever it is. So I do want to thank you in advance for letting an old man, you know, get better at uh, chasing a dream, as I like to say. No, it's good to hear, and that's what, that's the point of those seminars. We always want to make sure people come to these seminars that they always walk away taking something out of it. They feel like they got their money's and times worth. So. That's good to hear, and we try to bring in people that are going to ensure that you get that because, you know, that's, that's what you are paying for and taking the time out of your day for is to get better at chasing this dream. So thanks for letting me know that. I appreciate it. Not a problem. You seem like someone that prepares really hardcore, man. I imagine your day is down to the, the minute. 
Uh, it's you know what on that note, someone asked me that there was a documentary that uh, a someone at uh, I think it was Metro Metropolitan State University was doing, and they asked me that question. And they said, "What's a day like?" I was like, "I don't know," because it's so. And this is something I got to work on too. It's very reactionary. I actually could be better at organizing things and trying to compartmentalize the day into segments, you know. And sometimes you just can't do that because things come at you and you have to react. But if you don't have it all, if you don't have that initial plan, it's harder to react, I guess. So I've gotten better as I've gotten older. But so to the minute, there's always something. It seems like it's happening or you're waiting for something to happen. But my day is very reactionary. Like I know what needs to get done by the end of the day. Uh, you know, I have a teenage daughter. So of course, you know, you get up you make sure everything's going there you know, with school and, and uh, I live an hour away from the school that, that I run, so I got to factor in that two-hour round-trip drive. And if there's anything else that's going on, how to get from A to B? Like I, for instance, you know, the last couple of days, I had to take a physical uh, for licensing in Kentucky for when I start going out to OVW again. So like that was in South Denver because I was staying, uh, I, I was staying in Denver or in Littleton before. A couple days before, so I went there to do that. Something was messed up on that, so I had to go back. But the problem is now I'm in Loveland, and I've got I've got to go to South Denver first before I head to then North Denver where the school is. So that's kind of what you know the day kind of looks like most of the time. And then the phone picks up, or hey Matt, did you see this? Or did you hear about this? Or we need to deal with this, uh, and then reacting, put it in the group, trying to troubleshoot. So a lot of that is, is kind of how the day the day goes on and then you add Twitch into the mix which is you know we're really heavily focused on Twitch right of now course. streaming yeah. whenever I can making sure people when someone else is streaming I need to have it up so I can mod it or make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do so it's just a lot of like like head on the swivel reacting to everything and then and, and then making sure that the tasks are accomplished but I can't say you know when, when you go into a job interview and they're like hey what's your biggest weakness and people usually go, well, I just I let things get to me too much, or I work too hard. You know, it's, it's usually one of those things where you're like, my weakness is that I'll work really hard for you. But I could honestly say, like, my answer to that would be organization and scheduling. That is something that I've really fought against this whole time. And sometimes I look at the fact that I run a, a, a promotion in a school and do it for a living as a, as a miracle because I know how unorganized I am. So the fact that I've just been out of sheer will been able to push through that, uh, that's that's amazing to me, but I got to get better at it. So long answer to the question, but there it is. No, no, that's what I wanted, man. And it doesn't sound like that's something that should be changed, man. Like uh, if that's how you function, that's how it needs to go. And like, I mean, if you got your head in a swivel, uh, how far did that head swivel when COVID hit? Uh, it just kept spinning around in a circle. You know, like uh, exorcist stuff was spitting out pea soup, trying to figure out what was going on here. Like it was craziness. It was. It was such a gut punch because we've always had our struggles anyway. Because you're always, again, you're always reacting. There's always, something's always happening. You know, people say, um, "Oh man, I just got, I just got uh, the radiator fixed, and then the tire blew, and man, I finally got the tire <laughs> fixed, and then you know something else happened in the car, the electrical system went, or you know, as soon as I feel like I'm getting ahead with this thing, this happens." But that's just kind of life, and mm-hmm. I think the more you do. Uh, the best examples, people always laugh because my tires always seem to be blown. I got pictures all over social media. You can go back looking where they're like, what did you do in a past life 
to tires to where your tires are always blowing or a radiator is always blowing. And I used to go, yeah, I have the worst luck, but I drive nonstop. I live far away from where I'm at. We do a lot of shows. I'm pulling trailers. I've got a big diesel freight liner. That I've, when you're on the road all the time, the more you drive, the more car troubles you're going to have, right? right? So for me, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, hey, if that's the way you operate, like keep operating that way. Um, but there are things that I know I can schedule a little bit better to better handle those emergencies because sometimes you're not prepared for the emergency. It's not, it's not about the emergency itself. It's being prepared to handle an emergency at any time. So that's what I want to get better at to where other things don't fall by the wayside. COVID hits and you talk about an emergency situation. Agreed. Um, and we were already all those other things, like I said, with, uh, what seems like one thing's fixed, the next thing happens. And then, that was already happening because that's just normal. But then COVID hits, and we're so unsure about what's going to happen. I remember leading towards it as things like towards the end of February, in early March is when they really started kind of coming down. I'd heard about it like as early as I think December. I remember hearing someone talk December. about it. December. Um, and then we start rolling into March. We have some shows, and then there's the talk of, hey, we might not even be able to run shows, or what's going to go on, or what is this thing? So by, I think it was, I think it was about two weeks before you officially had to lock everything down. I had, without really, I didn't know what was happening. And we, I was like, well, we're in close contact. So I canceled training. You know, oh, we, had, we had decided, okay, we're just going to, don't we know what, what's going on, guys? We're just going to cancel training. We're going to take the safe route. So, you know, we were like, okay, everybody just will freeze everything. And and we'll, we'll we'll come back as we get more directions. Four weeks. Four, four weeks. It'll be. It's just it'll be. Uh, and you're not quite sure. It's like so. Cancel all the April shows, and and then of course here we are in late September, and we're still still trying to figure it out. So right. that few months of just uncertainty, and I had hernia surgery actually in January. Oh God. Uh, um, and then on a. Two weeks later, I had a I had a, got I got really sick and was rushed to the ER, and they had to like cut open one of the sutures and drain it. I was on oxygen because I could barely breathe; like it was really weird. And the culture came back negative, you know. And we were like, "Man, like what the hell? Like why would I? Why did I get so sick?" And you know, the doctor gave me this explanation of like the vagus nerve gets pushed on with all that fluid. Yeah, maybe that's what happened. But you know, this is right around that time when you're we're not understanding we're what this freaking thing is going out. around us. I'm like. Dang, what, what, what was that? So dealing with that, then I then I then I'm already dealing with the medical stuff because now I'm in wound care because you got to go to wound care to close that back up, which take took like two months. Yeah. Because of that, I, I tell you guys that, but because of that, when it came time to it, it was a workman's comp issue because I the hernia happened at UPS. I took I got a UPS uh, job for for the Christmas season. Yeah. And I was doing that, and I actually took my ring truck there as a personal vehicle driver to use to lug all this stuff around. So I did the big boxes, and I ended up with a hernia. So it was a workman's comp situation. So because of the workman's comp situation, even though I was cleared of everything they'd released me, I couldn't get any help from the government at all. Wow. Because it looks like it might still be open. Damn. So I I couldn't I got no help. So now my my source of income is gone, and I can't get any help because of paperwork and things that had happened several months prior. But you also so, can't put your wrestlers in danger. What's that? But you also can't put your wrestlers in danger. 
well, right. So we're now not running, and it was it was a rough time. So for through that several months, you know, I I started driving Lyft and, and Uber, um, and I'd always had an account. I'd always I've always done Lyft and Uber um, on the side or to make up the gap to make sure my bills are paid. So I, I just I, I had restarted everything and and I mean it was an insane amount of time um, that I was putting in to try to stay afloat just driving Lyft and Uber. So that's what that first couple months was. It just was un, we were just so unsure of what was going to happen. When can we open again? When is it safe? When are we going to do shows? What's going to happen? Is this the way it's always going to be? Like it was, it was, it was, it was. This might end. This it was the thought process. So now, God, this might be it. I, I sincerely appreciate you sharing that with me and, and, and Mr. Slick here because a lot of times people don't understand that you got to do what you got to do when things get crazy. And just because you're the head of something amazing and something that everyone wants to be a part of doesn't mean that you got to that you can't buckle down and do what you got to do. And I've had people like not want to tell me what they did on the side because they were like, I don't want to talk about it. But like you know, we had to scrape and scrape, man. We all did. And, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now, actually. Cause, yeah. uh I work. I work for uh, T-Mobile, but I also, when I have time, when I'm not going to school, I'm also going. I'm actually doing DoorDash on the side. So I definitely understand that because in this day and age, I mean, yeah, like you run a wrestling, uh, you run a wrestling promotion and a school, but you had to do what you had to do. I work forty hours plus a week, but I'm a student, but I still got to do what I got to do because I'm a family and I got a mortgage and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, like they say, pride comes before the fall. I don't, I'm not pride. I mean, I'm not ashamed that I do a side job, you know, because you got to do what you got to do to make sure that your, you know, food's on the table and mama and the kids are okay. So I actually, I do. Respect you and commend you for what you've done to try to you know do what you can to make make it you know things happen. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm glad the way you did it. I mean I'm glad the way everyone's done it so far. Everyone's getting tested. We're we're taking temperatures. Um, a lot of things are going into it, and I appreciate how much uh, care you you give to your wrestlers. I love the way that Randy takes care of his wrestlers here at CSW here in the Springs. We're both here in the Springs, um, but it's without that sort of trust. Things can't happen. I feel like things got to like this wet, amorphous place where everyone's wounds were showing. And now we have to really dig deep and figure out how to do what we got to do to love that we love, keep everyone safe, and maintain like some sort of stability. Because, man, like it wasn't like if it wasn't for everything shutting down, my life wouldn't have really been that affected. It was the wrestling shows that fucked me up being canceled because I live for that. It's like all my friends are there. Like I might see him two, three times a month uh, for a couple hours, but it's 100% quality time. It's, it's talking shit. It's, it's roasting people. It's, it's encouraging people. Cause you see that dude that's freaking out. You know, the dude that's freaking out. That's always thinking inside his head and he can't get out and you got to get him out of it. And, and, yeah. and, and you're doing your part. You're doing that on a higher level other than me being a journalist and just being a friend and then him being a, one of the wrestlers. It, being deprived of that completely derailed me. And I'm glad that like you were able to buckle down and now we've got Rocky Mountain Pro. We've got uh, CSW, Devotion. Man, man, goddamn Devotion. Like We'll, we'll talk about Devotion a little bit because that's one thing I want to deep dive into because that's something that's really special. Um, let's say... 
Curveball. Let's say you were the Terminator. Oh, Lord. <laughs> not Terminator 1. Not those other ones that I, I erased my brain. Uh, T1 and T2 don't that, that count. They lost me. Thank you! A long time ago. That's my favorite movie franchise for the record, is Terminator. Uh, T2 is my favorite movie of all time. But I'm so I'm so upset at what they did to Terminator. But continue. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know what other movies you're talking about because I hit my head real hard to ignore any of that other stuff. The I might have seen a talk, I might have seen a talk to the hand and went outside in the parking lot and cried. That was, was, was T three and uh, it, what, the, the star sunglasses were like this is not going to go well. No, yeah, no, this, no. that's T three. No. Um, yeah, I'm gonna just tell you this: the only ones you need to remember is T one and T two. T3, it just, it is basically the best way I could explain it from everything T3, 4. It's like a car crash in slow motion, and you don't want to look at it, but you can't turn away. I've watched a lot of car crashes, like, man. I've watched a lot of car crashes, but I wouldn't salvation, watch that. And I'm like, I didn't, even, I didn't even see Terminator Dark State. That's how bad yeah. it was. And and like Yaden said, I, I grew up in the 80s, so Terminator was my shit. And then, like, T1, it was, was awesome. T2 was great. And then T3 was like, huh? So you're going to end it on a cliffhanger, and it's the dumbest fucking cliffhanger you can end on at that. I don't understand what you're talking about. From, from uh, All I know is you're talking about something that doesn't exist. But I want right, to ask, exactly. ask Mr. Yaden yeah. here, if you, were, if you were the T-800 reprogrammed, uh, coming back, running a – Wrestling school, how you running it? You mean if I went back to 2010 and started it again? <laughs> no, you're coming back from, well, shit, where did they come back from? Uh, <laughs> Is 20, oh, 2029. Yeah, thank you. It was yeah. one of those, it's one of those that's right around the 24, 29, something like that. Yeah, oh, so something if, like if, that. If, yeah. You're, if you're T2 reprogrammed, coming back to save John Connor and start a wrestling school, mm-hmm. how you handling it? Let's hear some metaphors here, brother. How am I handling starting a wrestling school? Or oh, saving just, John just doing anything is just just being the T two, kicking some ass and running shit, man. From what I understand, because I definitely didn't talk to Curtis Cole earlier, and he did not definitely did not tell me to bring it up. Uh, you've got <laughs> some... yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around how to even answer it. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I. I, I guess if it's a question of what would I do differently type of thing. Or no, if I, just tell me how you do how back, you do anything, man. Just give me that metaphor, baby. I don't even I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally spacing here. I don't even know what. Uh, I don't know. You guys have stumped me. I don't even know how to answer the question. All right, so. I would, uh, I'm the damn co-host and he stumped me, so. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out exactly, like. I'm coming back to save John Connor, and in the in the process of saving John Connor, I'm supposed to start a wrestling. Game. <laughs> uh, sure, why not? Uh, also, uh, <laughs> from what I understand, uh, relating wrestling to Terminator Two is something that you really enjoy. Well, I so I just actually shared a video uh, with the school. Uh, this was a maybe a few nights ago. And it was a breakdown of why T2 is the best action movie ever. But the guy explains action for the action for the sake of storytelling versus action for the sake of action. No, so it compares to like some of the Transformers movies where it's like the action's good, but a lot of it's just there to be there. Right. right. And then he breaks down in T2 why every single bit of action 
has a purpose and a reason that you can tie into the story. Nothing that they do doesn't make sense towards what story they're telling. And he, and it, he talks about the character development and then the action. And then, so it was, I shared it in the group as like, it's my favorite movie. So of course I'm going to go ahead and okay. That one's uh, cause I was watching that for my own thing. I was like, Oh yeah, this would be interesting. And as I'm watching it, I'm going, wow, this could be related to wrestling perfectly. Right. So I had everybody watch it and just don't, Basically, don't do things for the sake of doing them. Do them because there's a reason for it. No wasted syllables. No wasted dialogue. Every single word needs to matter. You know, everything that happens, and then when you break it down, a Terminator 2 movie, um, like if I were a T-800 and I came back in time to start a promotion, I would try to do it similar to how Skynet ran the machines, and it was all functional and logical, and nothing that we did wasn't for the purpose of the mission, right? Correct. So when you make a movie like that, or you or you or you construct a show or anything, anything anything artistic, the ones that could take the action, take the dialogue, and, and, and what he did was he broke down like he broke down even Austin La Vista Baby House, like one of the most iconic lines of all time. But it's also one of the greatest for the reason of riding in the cars. He's trying to explain him to be more human, and that's their way of capping off. He's figured out some of the. He'll never be human, but he's kind of like. He gets it. The robot gets it because of what this little boy is teaching him. And then the the relationship is like a father, but not a real father. But this robot that's starting to to put it all together. Um, That's why I like comparing stuff like that. Because T2, when I was a kid, I didn't know I liked it so much. It was just great action. But it's all of those little subliminal things that it did to you to make you care about Sarah and John and the T-800. To make you terrified of the T-1000. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason the franchise just kind of fell off the cliff. It's like you made the T one thousand. What are you doing? That you can't. You're not going to top that. They keep right. trying. You're like, no. Robert Patrick was the perfect casting for that. He was more menacing to me than the T eight hundred and T one. And and Arnold is an amazing heel too in T one. <laughs> yeah. But but T one is is sci fi horror and T two is sci fi action. Let, let's let's talk about that because I want to I want to go back to what you're talking about about uh, the boy teaching the 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 cyborg how to talk because he was basically teaching him how to cut a promo because he's like if some guy starts shutting <laughs> on say eat it dickwad like it's 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 and then you know really shines you on hasta la vista baby and he looks at him he says hasta la vista baby he's like, exactly and we're, we're building a storyline and and correct me if i'm incorrect because i haven't watched the video that you're talking about well, I've seen the movies a million times. I've got uh, Blu-ray. I've got it on Blu-ray, VHS, doesn't matter. Uh, it's absolute perfect character development. There is not one person in that movie that you are not invested in. Even Miles Dyson. You, you, yep. they, they set it up to where even though you know that he's going to create the chip to for Skynet, and you, it, all logic aside, you should be... On Sarah's side, we need to blow this guy's head off before he does this. You, you fall in love with him. You, you see the little boy falling in front of him. Don't kill my daddy. Um, you see uh, Sarah wrestling with like you son of a bitch, you know. And, and you know when she's there, like they're talking, and these people are legit trying to figure it out. Like, okay, we've got a cyborg pulls the skin off, shows him the arm. We see the character development of John being some punk little. Little little miscreant, uh, street punk crime, petty petty crime guy, and then he's going to uh, savior of the, the human, human race. race. 
And we also see the development of a, a cyborg that knows that he specifically was created to kill humans, but now his his programming has been overridden, and he is there to save John, the guy that he was created to destroy. There is no wasted dialogue, and I imagine that you showed that to your school to let them know that you can't just wing it. You can't just not pay attention to the storylines. You can't just go out there and be stone cold. you got to build it up. And we start from two punk-ass kids robbing an ATM. Yeah, just don't do anything for the sake of doing it. Do it because there's a purpose to it. Right. And that's, you know, you talk about the iconic um, scene with the ripping off of the, the arm. Right. And at first you might go, that's all for effect, right? But there, there's a reason he did it, because that's what Miles Tyson found was the arm. Yeah. So the T-800 sure. knew, and the kid just like, show him. So they, you know, they, there was probably a discussion. You know, he's probably not going to believe you. You need to show him, show me how you found your arm. I mean, there's there's other dialogue that could go on between these characters that we don't see, but nothing that they did was just to do it. Even going to find the weapons cache, like yeah. you understand Sarah Connor and what she's been doing since the first one, and now she's made these relationships, and John kind of explains it, and and and, and Enrique and the relationship there that they have, and the cache because you know, she knew this day was coming at some point, and like it's something, and that's where. The other ones lost it because they buttoned it up, and it was. If you were going to see another Terminator movie, it needed to be all about the future that never happens, leading to sending someone back, right? To where you can see what this is what would have happened if they hadn't stopped it. But to continue on to go, okay, let's send another one back. Okay, this one now, uh, we already did the liquid thing, so how do we make this one different? We put the liquid over a metal endoskeleton to make it more vulnerable. It just was like, now you're grasping at straws. But I could forgive it because it, they'd given it enough time, and I didn't really care for it. But after the second viewing, I was like, okay, fine. It's fine. And then they just started spiraling out of control. They gave us Dark Fate, which – not Dark Fate. They gave us Salvation, which at least was a different one. It was in the future, right. but didn't quite connect the characters. Then Genesis, I don't know what that even was. Ooh, but, and then Dark Fate comes in and goes, all right, listen, James Cameron's back, everyone. Here's the true sequel. And I got – of course – like an idiot, I get I get all pumped up. Like, oh I popped, yeah! I and the first first thing they do, I was sitting there with my girlfriend in the theater, and the sh- and and boom, gets dark, right? And you see everything, and then you see the, the the it opens with the video of Sarah Connor, and Sarah Connor is is yelling at uh, she's in the 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 psychiatric hospital, right? And, and it's the scene where she's talking about it happens, and the kids fly apart like leaves and. So I'm like, yes, yes, oh yeah, we're back, Terminator. Oh, they're not going to screw up this time. And two minutes later, they kill John Connor on a beach. Wow. And you just go, okay, I guess screw me now. And of course, they they gave all their reasons for doing it. You're like, whatever. But it was just, you, you they kill him to then tell you the exact same story again and just rename things. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to rewind a little bit here. The reason why you got so passionate about it is because it's your best it's, – it's actually one of the best metaphors you could actually give your wrestlers to not let them waste a breath of fresh air, cutting a promo, making sure that everything they do matters, making sure they're paying attention to continuity, making sure they're paying attention to what the fans want, and also making sure that they don't give them the fans ex- 
exactly everything they want. From what I understand in wrestling, the fans really don't know what they want sometimes because they're like, oh, the story writes itself. And then you give them something that they writes itself and they're and like, they boo. And they're boo. We, we're mad now. Yeah. We wanted this and it didn't happen. So you're teaching your, your, your wrestlers to critically think. Yeah, that's it. It's, and, and, and you're not going to please everybody, so stop trying. Right. You want to you you obviously want to please the most amount of people you can, so they'll consume what you're doing. But of course, if they believe in you, they if you believe in what you're doing, and then they start believing in what you're doing, and you connect with them, you can do a lot more with a lot less. And I think we just we've lost that. Some sometimes we lose that. Then, you know, I'm not say we've lost it because there's plenty that still do it. But it's just it's just making you think no wasted motion in the ring. If you're doing something, there's a purpose. If you're watching a fight. There's a purpose behind everything they're doing to set someone up for something else. Agreed. Check. There's a reason to do it. Now, our world is different, and I get it. And there's things, and there's contradictions, and there's things that, well, but wait, you said this, but then what about this? And, and as long as you can acknowledge, I'm going to contradict myself in explaining this to you because it's such a gray area. It's art, so it's open to so much interpretation. Right. But at the end of the day, what are we trying to get people to buy? We're trying to get them to buy how it ends and that they should be emotionally connected to the outcome of what we're doing. If you're, if you, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was, um, if you know what your story is, you'll never be lost. You, uh... and that's true. If you just know what you're doing, you'll never get lost because you'll always be able to get back. Okay. What's the objective here? He who wanders is not always lost, but you froze me in my tracks a second ago because I've been waiting for a very long time for someone to tell me that pro wrestling is art. Oh, absolutely it is. It, I, 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 I have an art degree at OU. I've got a, I, I can tell you my accolades. It doesn't really fucking matter. What really matters is, is that I care about art. And I consider pro wrestling fine art. It needs to be videos of great matches need to be in the Met. Videos of fine art needs to be in the Louvre uh, of, of, of great wrestling matches because it is actual, legit artwork. Everything yeah. involved in it. It doesn't matter that, like, because you, you, we can talk about the old things from the 80s and 90s. Like, oh, you know it's fake, right? Like, fuck off, man. Like, I don't care. These are my heroes. So is Game of them. Thrones. What's your point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is art to me. Like, and, and I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed people and they tell me that wrestling saved their life. The same way that mm-hmm. art saved their life, and yeah, the <laughs> same way right here too, man. And and it's it's fine art. It, everything, whether or not someone's doing good business or bad business, or but as long as the product ends up right, and you inspire people to do better by themselves. To you, like, how many people? How many guys have you known used to be like two hundred eighty pounds and got inspired? Like, uh, have you? Uh, one of the brothers, Smith. He was a big dude. Uh, the the blonde. Yeah, he was yeah. a big dude. He was a big big dude. He posted a couple photos about like eight nine months ago of wh- how big he used to be. And look at him now. Awesome. Oh, he's jacked up now. He looks yeah, great. he looks great. Yeah, he. he it's, exactly it, about. it's not that he just looks great, but the art inspired him to be a better person, to make better art, to inspire other people. That guy inspires me. Like every time I meet him. You know when you meet wrestlers and they're 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 politicking and they're they're shaking hands and like yeah nice to meet you good to see you again brother and but it's like ah you don't remember me or that's okay it doesn't matter but Austin he he uh 
he legit remembers you. He legit is thankful for you in his life. And that's the sort of art that just hooks me. Just give me more. Don't lie to me. We know the outcome is predetermined. We don't care. All we want is inspiration. It, it's not even just one of those senses of, uh, I've got a shitty life, I work a nine to five, and I come home, drink a couple of years, and watch Monday Night Raw. No, it's it's completely a different level for us. It, like it, it's hard to describe to other people, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it, it is, but I just break it down simply. Usually, is and if someone comes in and they've got an attitude about it, or they they drop they, they drop the insulting words, I, I tend to just not care anymore. Um, I don't even notice because because the, to say some to say I don't watch something because it's fake is 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 just a very ridiculous like simple explanation to the fact that you're just not into it. And it's and it's and it's you trying to get a reaction out of somebody because you know, oh if you say that they'll get really mad. So I just go, okay, well then don't watch it. I mean, but that's not the reason you're not watching it, because unless you do not consume books, video games, theater, uh, anything. If you, if you unless you don't consume any movies, any T V shows, then that's not that's not the reason. You're just not into it. Look, I love baseball. Baseball's my favorite thing. I'm a huge baseball fan. Played baseball, love watching baseball, listen to baseball on the radio. Then I get home, put it on the TV. I can watch any team from anywhere play baseball. And I'm just into it. Now, a lot of people are like, uh, that stuff's boring. Anybody could do that. I've heard that a lot. And why do you watch that? I don't care. I can't stand it. It's so boring. And they take shots at you just to get... Just to get you riled up, you go, okay, cool. Well, to you, it's boring. To me, it's not because I see other stuff in it. So just then don't watch it. It's your That's art. all that is when people are dropping that, that it's fake. And then, you know, we can say, well, you watch. I was hoping it was like, well, Star Wars wasn't filmed in space, but you still went and saw that. Agreed. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it's art because we are painting something on our canvas. We actually are on a canvas, too, by the way. Agreed. Uh, but it's just, we want people to watch what we do, get lost in our world and connect with us. And those that do the best at that do, you know, that those that connect with their audience, the best do the best in professional wrestling. But it, to, to me, the, what drew me to, I didn't grow up watching pro wrestling, by the way. Yeah, you, like you, I knew of it, you, your, but I didn't. Your buddies, your buddies, uh, and senior year got you into it and you started wrestling in, in a living room, right? right? Yeah, it was just like, and you know what, a couple years with like, I was at 97 when, when, when Tyson was involved with Stone Cold. Yeah. And, and I started paying attention then because my Latin teacher, where I got the name Mercury from, in that class, was big into pro wrestling. So he would talk to me about it. And then I started watching it because I grew up, I'm also a kid of the 80s and 90s. I loved Mike Tyson. Like Mike Tyson was was the baddest man on the planet. I had played Mike Tyson's punch out. He's I couldn't believe when Buster Douglas knocked him out. Like yeah. it's, it's freaking Mike Tyson. So it that's that's what shows you the power of bringing in those outside forces. Because I got a kid like me who went, oh yeah, I know Mike Tyson. Yeah, oh and this Stone Cold guy. Yeah, he's pretty cool. I wish I could be like that guy. So I had that. So I had an idea. But then when I met these guys that that I that I that I connected with. That's what really got me into in, into pro wrestling, and for a while I didn't know why I liked it so much. I, I kinned it more to um, it was I liked those guys, and I liked that group of people. So like that's what they were into. You're- but I just found I loved the theatrics of it. I loved the athleticism of it. I loved the art form. I loved the storytelling. I loved getting lost in it. 
before I really knew that's what I loved about it. I just, this is really cool. It is the most unique form of entertainment on the planet. There's nothing I know of combines almost everything that you think of when you think of art together into one package where you can now not only go out there and do it in front of people, but you can interact with fans. If I go to the theater, I can't yell at the stage. No, you can't. Dude, I got to shut up. It drives but me at, at wrestling show, you're yelling at the stage the whole time. It drives they me nuts. They want you to yell at the stage. It drives me nuts. I've been to shows with girlfriends and like, dude, this they'll be like, this isn't a wrestling show. You got to shut up. Uh, I'm so <laughs> I, I love how passionate you are about the artwork. It is so rare that we can get it out of someone that can know the intricities of it, as opposed to knowing just like, oh, I'm mad that this guy lost last week. It's important that people understand this as a legitimate form of artwork. It is not something that rednecks do in their backyard and jump off the roofs. This is something people put their lives on for, for people's entertainment. You don't understand. I'm sure you do, and you do. But when you see these guys putting their lives on the line for someone's pure entertainment, the fact that they got home from that 9 to 5 and they care about you and they care about your character, they, they worry. I worry about Spider-Man Month to month, I'm that into comic books. And you're passionate about that. I, I can't wait to one day for us to figure out how to see some, like, have videos in the Met in New York, in Manhattan, of legit wrestling matches and make people watch them. And for you to get pissed at people telling them that. But at the same time, though, I'm glad you watched it. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um Man, it it like it's it's all about art to me, man. It's all about art. Uh, like, I love watching the boys and the girls uh, post their. Here's my new boots. I got them. I'm so excited. Or 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 Chango stopped me at, at the Mile High show at the at, uh, Milestone last month, and he's like, "Hey, brother, come here." Like, Psst. I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I need your help, man. I need you to go to my car. I can't. I got to get some wrapping tape for my my wrist out of my out of my car, but I can't let anyone see my gear." I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go help you, man. That's like, we're keeping kayfabe. Like, we're doing, like, uh, I gotta, I gotta stop and let you know how much of an honor it was for you to give me a press pass for that. That was something, uh, really special. Uh, oh, it was our pleasure. Well, and I, I really wish I would have made that one, but <laughs> I had, I had, uh, other, I had other uh, obligations, but I told, I remember Josh, I said, Josh, hey man, you get the press pass at Milestone. This is like their WrestleMania. I just fucking kill it for me. And I have a great time for me. Because you remember me telling you that? Yeah. I think it was like the Thursday or Friday before because I couldn't make it. And I, do, I tried and I couldn't. And and, that, and that's the thing. I Because I, I know I know most of the guys that are RIP, guys and girls that are RIP, doing seminars and stuff like that. And like Josh said, I am one of you guys' biggest supporters. Not just for the sake of fans but for wrestling and just and they're all around great people as well so when i couldn't make it to milestone i was like oh shit i really wanted to go and i can't but i'm i'm glad that you went and you represented my my field so kudos to you josh i'm gonna throw that out there too well i got lucky i got lucky uh curtis hooked it up man and uh i i asked him like hey i need a press pass for this he's like listen anytime i'd say yes but i gotta talk to yaden and uh he missed me. He's like, I'll miss you back in an hour. He's sure shit. He messaged me back. And I got to tell you my impression of the Milestone show. It was, first off, there's no better place to watch a wrestling match than gorilla position. 
Unless oh, wow. Unless you're drunk as shit in the front row and having a good time. But there's no better place to watch wrestling than gorilla position. Because you're standing next to Yaden, you're standing next to Damon Ace, you're standing next to Balaam Lynx, and you're watching Lilith have her debut match against Heidi Hollitzer. Heidi Hollitzer. And, and you're not getting reactions like, oh my god, that was a good hit. You're getting true blue friend, compatriot, brothers in arms, like, they're freaking out for her. I remember Damon losing it, worried that she was going to panic. And I was like, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm watching these guys like they're they're so worried about their sister, and when when she pulled off this move or this move or when Matt remember when the remember when the camera came in perfect, and it focused right on her and the clouds were rolling in, as as the music was playing yeah. and and it was like it, it was poetic justice like like she pulled the hood off and like the, the wind back. blew right at the right time it, it was it was crazy it was beautiful and we've got. We've got everyone that cares about the right people uh, for the right reasons worried that, you know, because they've seen their struggles like training. They know what their weaknesses are and they're only rooting for 100% success and wanting their brothers and sisters to win, which is different from other places I've been to where they want other people to fail. Not in Colorado. Uh, I've been in uh, Amarillo, uh, Oklahoma, but... Those places, those guys are happy when other dudes fuck up because, you know, opens up a spot. They're not going to take their spot and yeah. they're not going to, yeah. they're not going to, wor- I ain't got to worry about him taking my spot or taking my shine or not, shit like that. Not, not, I absolutely not hated it. I absolutely fucking hated that because. No, not here in when Colorado. I came in, not in Colorado, no. I was, when I joined the wrestling uh, business, that's what I was afraid of because I was like, okay, I don't want, I don't want to take anybody's spot. And I don't want to shit on anybody either, because the one thing I wanted to do is I just wanted to do something because I've been a wrestling fan since I was seven, and I'm almost forty three. And my friends was like, who I, I was friends with, like uh, Javier Cruz and Randy Rude, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, you should go wrestle." I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm I'm old as fuck. I, I can't do that. I'll be I got a messed up knee. I can't do that." He's like, "Yeah, but you got the build. All you got to do is just go to the gym, just keep training, and you can do it." I'm like. No, I'm not gonna do it. And then over time, I started doing it. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little, I'm decent at it. And every time that I go to a show, whether it's a CSW show or I got to go to a uh, Rocky Mountain Pro show, the only thing I cared about, Damn. I didn't care about. I wanted everybody to succeed. I Damn. wanted everybody to do good. You know, like, hey man, you did great at this part or I, you did, you, it was a great match and stuff like that. And I've, I'm still to this day like that. I don't, I don't care about me. I mean, if I fuck up, say, hey, you looks like you, you can approve on this or do this, but other than that, it's a good show because I, I think we all can get, you know, get better and we don't have to tear anybody down to, you know, improve. And I, I still feel like that to this day. But Yaden, you built, you helped build on that. Colorado's a safe spot for true blue wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me how you did it, man. I mean, like, did you come? Like, I mean, I've seen, I've seen where you've wrestled, man. I'm, I'm looking at your. Uh, you've been in TNA. Uh, you've uh, you you were trained by Ch- Jake Hilgore, um, tag team champion with a uh, DRM teammate, uh, Mars Ferox. I mean, like, you've done a lot. And did you go through a lot to help? Build that sort of precedent because 
Colorado is so special because of people like you. I think it was just when I started, when I met the you know, late, late 90s, you know, 99 when I met the, the guy. The NRW was the name of the group, by the way, that I met. Uh, the back character was No Rules Wrestling. So the original name of my company, NRW, yeah, New Revolution Wrestling, came from that. Tag Team Champion, NRW. So there was a... There was just a connection we had because we just were we felt uh, we felt fortunate to be able to do this at all, especially when we were, we ended up in a ring and I got trained in two thousand one and just every time I got to be in a ring it was a special time for me so I truly appreciated it and then that grind and then moving out here uh, in 03 and meeting people and and once I finally started doing it for a living it was just a special feeling that I can't really describe and it's. I want people to feel like that camaraderie that I always had, uh, especially early on. So I think at the very beginning, it was it was. I always tell people we're all different. We have different different lifestyles, different opinions on things. We we do things different. Like every individual person is different, but we all unite under this crazy love of professional wrestling that we all have. Agreed. And. And I think that's really what it is. It's just like, hey, you know what? We're different people, but we love this, and we can all come together, and together we can create this amazing thing that's not just for us, but it's for everyone else out there that then gets to that gets to benefit from our love of this because they love it as much as we do, but they get to love it in a different way. And it's just treating people treating people like you want to be treated, uh, trying to make sure that everybody uh, is unified under the same goal and, and that you're just not, you're not needlessly mean to people or not needlessly uh, crappy to, to others. And no matter what, whether you're good friends with them or not, whether you particularly like each other on a personal level, once we're here, we all work together because we all need each other to make this thing work. So I just think that's the idea. That's the mentality from day one, uh, a close knit, a close knit community, uh, and, and, a, and a togetherness on building something special. Uh, that was kind of the mission out of the gate with NRW. I just decided, you know, what's Fusion, which is where I was before, closed down in 09. They were, they, they were doing as much as they could to elevate pro wrestling in Colorado, the connections that they had, the production of their shows, the training, and then that was just gone. And I just decided with a few of the other guys, well... I don't really know how to be a promoter, but we can try this. So I actually started renting a ring from someone else and uh, renting like the barricade set from from Jeff, who ran Fusion, because he still had the stuff, and working together. And, and that was just very important that we all got together. We were serious. We wanted to take this serious and give pro wrestling the respect it deserved, give each other the respect we deserved, and then unite to elevate it to another level and kind of continue what Fusion was doing. I okay. like how I like how well y'all play with others. So Colorado is kind of a different territory from what I've heard from the guys that have wrestled out of state uh, other than New Mexico and Utah, is that you can wrestle anywhere here in Colorado, no problem. You're not going to get roasted. You're not going to get not booked because you wrestled uh, a devotion and then you're booked next month at CSW, and then the the next Saturday night you're 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 at Rocky Mountain Pro Charge. It's all about promoting it, man. Uh, tell me about more about Devotion because I want to go to Devotion, and then we're going to talk about Al Snow uh, Academy. 
Mm-hmm. How did you get involved with devotion? Because those guys, I remember, uh, I feel I feel guilty because uh, at the uh, milestone show, uh, just real quick, I was, I talked to you, I had my microphone, and uh, you had to go take care of business. And I'm looking at the groups of people, and uh, we were right by the intro, you know, with the swinging door. And uh, to my left, right in front of me, is I see these six foot four guys all sitting on chairs. Everyone else is standing up. There's four six foot four guys. It's Damon Ace and a few other dudes. And I, I notice everyone is walking away from them. They're doing everything they can to not walk past these guys because these guys are barking at people like pit bulls. <laughs> and it, it, and I, I just I, I I hit record, walked up. Damon Damon is a solid professional. Uh, well, he, he knows me, uh, but he, he saw me walk up with a recording and I just interrupt him. Like, so this is the Pitbull area. And, uh, like what? And like the other dudes got derailed and Damon who saw the camera. And I, I love that about Damon is that he takes every opportunity to succeed. And he saw that, that tiny little microphone was recording. And he's like, yeah, bro, this is what the killers are. And the other guy snapped into motion, and we got some promos out of them. And Damon, Damon was ten steps ahead of those other guys. He saw a microphone and immediately went into politicking. Character. I know what I got to do. Joshua, uh, I've worked with Damon quite a few times. He knows I protect wrestlers. Like like when we talked earlier, like uh, talking about protecting your kayfabe, like, all that sort of stuff. He he trusted me. And the other guys led into it too. I'm like, who do you want to like? You guys are in the battle royale. Who do you want to throw over? And like, two dudes were like, filter. And filter was like ten feet away. I'm like, yo, filter, come here. And there's like that guy and that guy want to throw you over the top row. Oh, that's what these motherfuckers want to say. <laughs> but filter saw the, filter saw the the mic too, and they went straight into it. And then I went over. Uh, I uh, I got what I needed out of them because they just cut some great like impromptu promos and then I realized that was my my gimmick for today was just to wander up to people and get them to, to cut some promos went over to the devotion guys and they because uh, I interviewed the brother Smith before uh, and Dora they knew what I was doing and immediately went into it it was just it was a round robin of random promos and um, that was the culture that was cultivated backstage and it was special. It was like like when I talk about working for CSW, like we've got a great locker room. There's no room for bullshit. It, it's all about taking care of your, your fellow brethren. And you're cultivating that. Did you have any bad experiences that in any way – and I don't want you to name names. I'm just saying like anything that sticks out that really makes you want to keep cultivating that sort of environment because that is very rare. Uh, I mean, nothing I could pinpoint directly. I mean, I dealt, I've dealt with people that were not very fun to deal with, or I didn't like the way they either treated me or treated others. And, and I could, I could see things when I see somebody that's just kind of being harsh on somebody just to do it. There's this thing like ribbing somebody playfully and having fun and giving them a hard time, uh, and they get back, and then just outright being mean to them. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I've seen that over, you know, over 19 years, I guess, with with some places. Uh, that, that I've been to or people that kind of rub you the wrong way or seem like they kind of want to pull a click over here that kind of is separate from everyone else. And 
And I never liked that. I mean, if anything, if I saw areas where there's just a lot of like, you know, this, there's this group, and there's this group, and oh, there's no, this group, and this group doesn't really like this group, or they these two groups, eh, they really don't like this. I, I, that's what I wanted to avoid. So I, and that just comes from sports in general, like well, playing well, sports in high school or anything. I didn't, I didn't like the separation of everybody. You have your friends, you have your groups. That's fine. But when people treat others differently that are outside of their clique, if you will, that's what I have a problem with. I never well, liked that. So I, that was something I wanted to make sure we avoided. I'm not saying that that was going on. What I'm saying is, is that like it was these fun little hot spots, and everyone could wander around. Oh no, that's yeah. just answering your question on what I might have seen oh, over oh, the I'm sorry, I'm years. Sorry. That makes me go, no, I don't want to see that. So we've always been, we, we we've always been very cautious in trying to prevent that from ever being the thing. People have their groups and their friends. Right. They, you know, I, like for instance, Curtis and I are very close, as you know. Um, I've always been really close with Zero Cool. I love Tony. He's great. He's just a great human. No, he's uh, you've got your yes, people. He is. You got your people that you just kind of you kind of you kind of identify with, and you kind of like you know you might go out to eat afterwards with them, uh, but that doesn't mean you don't ever go hang out with the entire group, or that you treat others that you might not interact with as much on a personal or friendship level any different than the person that you're interacting with on a personal friendship level. Agreed. I think that's important to when we're all there. We're all one group that has the same mission, and that's why I think I really, I think it's very important to the success of, especially in any company which is full of a lot of individuals doing a lot of different things, and it has to come together mm-hmm. to make that place special. And yeah, it takes I every agree. single piece of that. And if you start fragmenting those pieces, it gets very difficult. No, I, I completely agree, and I, I apologize if I misconstrued what I was saying. What, 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 what I was talking like. I was loving the fact that I could walk up to any group and I was immediately accepted and they knew what I was doing and why I was there and that I was there only to put things over. And other people would come up and interact and they would have so much fun with each other just cutting promos. Just, just They weren't even planning the matches. And uh, it, it reminded me – and this is such an odd metaphor, but it was like – it was it was 1984, Saturday morning. You could watch Thundercats. He-Man, Transformers, GoBots, uh, Pound Puppies. You wow. can watch everything all at once. And, and Pound. Yeah, everyone, everyone can walk around. And we have cool. five channels. <laughs> yeah. We have five channels to watch all, all of yeah, that. Yeah, but it, it, was, it was this hodgepodge of awesomeness. And it was so nice to be able to interact with everyone, especially the gorilla position, watching you all uh, do well. But I want to rewind a little bit here. I want to, I Real want to, quick, can I just say something on that point? This is what you mentioned and seals everything up. Please. You just you just explained what we what the mission is. You have people all around talking to each other in their little groups, right? Right. But they're not clicking it up. And what I mean by that is all those groups then come back together into that gorilla position to watch everything that's going on. Agreed. But you Agreed. can still find them all, and not one group treated you any different than the next, not and not one group treats another group different. Because that every little group within this big group all comes together to be part of the whole, and that was Rocky Mountain Pro milestone. They knew you were there. They knew you were there to do a job. I want people to appreciate what guys like you are doing because you are helping spread the word. You're allowing them to be themselves, be their characters, and that's that's the that's the culture that we want. So that is the best explanation. What you just did, I don't even think you were trying to kind of like sum it up is that but that's exactly what we look for it's like yeah you got over your you got your friends you got your people the ones you, you you're a little closer to but hey show's starting now we're all around gorilla position watching each other. oh we got a debut let's make sure we watch this oh we got someone that just won the charge title that's earned it let's all get around and be excited about that like 
That's what that's what we want. The boss, baby. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole podcast on that's a itself. whole podcast <laughs> in itself. We're not going to get too much that far, but uh, what I want who I do want to talk about is probably one of the most over people in five states is Mr. Curtis Cole. Well, yeah, I've helped him a lot with that. He should thank me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, that guy, I got to say he, he's my favorite promo cutter other than The Rock. When he came out at CSW and started handing people bars of soap, because they were stanky. Yeah. Because uh. <laughs> they were stanky. And uh, I got to I gotta tell you how this story uh, started. Uh, I'm, uh, I I do do the shows there. And um, I'm playing people's music. And I'm, hey, want to make sure this is your music. He's like, you know what, man? Play whatever the hell you want. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. I don't give a shit what you play. I'm like, really? You really want to do that? And he's like, yeah. I don't give a shit. And I was like, all right. And, uh... Like three matches before that, when we talked, and then I walk up about a match before. He's in the back, and he's in his uh, '90s uh, jumpsuit, and he's sitting there stewing. He's thinking, and I'm like, "You're thinking, brother." He's like, "Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you." All right, cool. And uh, all right, so I play the Fresh Prince of Bel Air because he's from he's from uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I think I was there for yeah, that show. Yeah, that was, the, was that was the night I asked you to be part of the show, and uh, yeah, he comes out not giving a shit, and everyone's like starting to sing the Fresh Prince, and he looks at me and goes, "Cut it," <laughs> and <laughs> cut it, and he starts handing out bars of soap, and and I realized what he was doing. It didn't matter what I played. That he was gonna, he was creating and crafting a promo that was gonna make everyone hate him. He lost that match, but everyone was so happy that he lost. But he wasn't there to lose. He was there to make everyone look better. He cut the best promo. He fought dirty, nasty ass heel, and he it took a while to get his ass on the on the one two three. But everyone, it made everyone so much happier that he lost after what he did, and and I, I it just I marveled at it because he didn't. It didn't matter what I played. I could have played a fucking track with people farting on a fucking stick. I, it didn't matter because he was going to put it over. Please do that next time he's there. <laughs> <laughs> Double- I will come. You do that. I'm coming to the ring with him. Tag dudes are going to dudes farting on sticks. Yeah. <laughs> no. and, I'm tell, and, and doubling down what Josh says, Curtis Cole, yes, he's a he's very professional, mm-hmm. but he is one of the hardest people to refs because he is so damn entertaining as a heel. Because I remember refs, because uh, this is I think it was about a year ago when he was he was uh, I was I was like one of one of my two matches that I was just started wrestling, and he comes out with food. And he's eating this, and he's just—I mean—he's coming out to the ring with a with like a styrofoam plate full of food, eating this stuff like that. You're like, hold this, you hold this, you jerk off, and I'm like, okay. And he's literally getting his gear off, and he's got—he's taking his food back, and he's just like hamming it up with the crowd. And I think I've refed like maybe four or five of his matches, and each one of them is so damn hard because you got to remember you're you're not. An audience member, you're the ref. 
you gotta you gotta pay attention to the guys in the ring. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna fuck with this guy. I'm gonna I'm fuck with him so hard. And I'm like, and, and, and you're trying not to break, but Curtis is is great at what he does, and you gotta be extremely focused because I think I broke like two or three times doing his matches. So. Shout out to Curtis for being a professional, being great at at what he does, and being an asshole for making me break all those times repping his match. How did you find Curtis, he, man? He found us. Oh, um, wow. He ended up with a flyer uh, for Milestone 5. And uh, he'd have to tell you the whole story, but he ended up with a flyer, and then I think somebody, like one of his friends, like saw the flyer. They were like, hey, you should call them. And go train, or he'd have to give you the whole story because I'll screw it up. But basically, on a flyer, he called, and we were at Grudge Training Center at the time in Arvada. So this is 2016. No, it's 15. So August of 2015. And he called, and I answered, and he started saying, Hey, I had a flyer. I was interested in, in coming down. I was like, What are you doing right now? He's like, Oh, well, nothing. He was in Boulder. Um, and I said, well, if you want to come down, we have training now. You come down and check the place out and meet with me. And, uh, and Hoodie was was running it with me at the time. So he came down to the school. And, and Grudge was a beautiful place. So you, you Grudge, I don't know if uh, you ever saw Grudge Training Center when we were there. You'll see the shows when we're on Rewind on Twitch right now. Our shows are at a Grudge Training Center. And you'll see the commercials that kind of pop. It was top-notch. Huge MMA facility, top-notch MMA fighter. Justin Gaethje was training out of there. Uh, Pat Berry was there. Rose Namahunas was there. Tyler Stinson, who who is a who is a ten-year uh, MMA fighter that was coming into pro wrestling, is actually who set up that relationship. So it was a very impressive place. You walk in, there's the front desk. You go in, mat space, cage, boxing ring, wrestling ring, yeah. weights, TRX, everything. So Curtis walks into that. And I don't think he was expecting to see what he saw. And again, he'll, he, he could tell you this much better than I could. But he walked in, he saw the place, and immediately was he told me, he was like, oh, yeah, I want to be here. Oh, my God. Like, so we sat down and we talked to him. And, and Hoodie and I were always very open to you about what to expect. We want you to be here because you love it. Here's, here's, what it here, here's what it takes to be here. Here's what it costs and all that stuff. But you got to be willing to give us 100%. You know, regardless of what you want to do with this, this is the type of place that people are going to seriously want to make it go pro wrestling. And he just kind of, he bought in. He wasn't quite sure what he wanted to do with wrestling, but he knew he wanted to be in it. So he came to Milestone. You'll see him. We just watched Milestone 5 today on Rewind. And there's a a spot where Hoodie's coming to make it his entrance. There's Curtis Cole, who hasn't even started training yet, standing out on the side with his huge chops clapping. Um, So his first experience was Milestone 5. And he came, I believe he came to the Al Snow Seminar that we did that day. So his, his first actual class, his first education piece in pro wrestling was sitting in on an Al Snow Seminar. So that was his intro. And then he came in and started training. He'll, he'll be the first to tell you too, like, we have problems. Like, I wanted, I wanted to strangle him about every day at training. <laughs> he drove me insane. Uh, things, some things weren't, he's an athlete, he's a heck, heck of an athlete, uh, and he's like the nicest person you've ever met, so he'd apologize for everything, if you're correcting something, sorry, 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 
And, and we laugh about it now because I honestly wasn't sure what this guy was going to do. And now he's my best friend and he made my tag partner and he's a you know head coach of the school. And just it's an amazing journey over this five years what he's taken. And and he's somebody that you know if you need something he'll be there for you. He's just that type of guy. So it was he found us and then just never gave up, never quit. I messaged him about. 30 minutes before we started talking, and I was like, yo, I miss, I gotta talk to Yaden tonight, and what is gonna piss him off, and what will we talk about? Messaged me 30 seconds later. Completely available. Like, he, he was like, hey, good on you for wanting to do this, and just so positively encouraging, and uh, it, it, people like that, the fact that they're that willing to put people over and, and get things going, it, it it just makes me happy. It's one of those fluffy feelings, man, that you don't want to talk too much about. But yeah. uh, the the thing about the thing about Curtis is is that I hate him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nah, I love the guy. I love the guy. He's, you and the, you and all the CSW fans. No, nah, everyone loves him. Everyone loves and the DCW fans and the DCW guys. You had, you guys had a fucking killer weekend last weekend, didn't you? It was a it was a it was a long weekend. Uh, a couple matches. But uh, it was a fun weekend out there in Salt Lake City, Utah, with our good friends at DCW. Now, you guys are teaming with DCW, and they started Al Snow training last month, and now Rocky Mountain Pro is Al Snow too, right? We are. So the school itself is uh, ASWA Rocky Mountain. The promotion is still Rocky Mountain Pro, but we went from Rocky Mountain Agreed. Pro Wrestling Academy. So basically, it was we started as NRW Sports Entertainment as a promotion. And then as time went on, we became NRW uh, Pro Wrestling. And then when Vince Russo came, we changed from NRW Pro Wrestling to Rocky Mountain Pro. Uh, the school was Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy. And then after several years of Rocky Mountain Pro, we changed to Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling Academy. And then Al Snow's affiliation comes in. So now what was the Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy and then the Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling Academy is now the Al Snow Wrestling Academy, Rocky Mountain but the promotion is still Rocky Mountain Pro, which is connected to ASWA Rocky Mountain. I hope that all made sense. It all completely makes sense because Al Snow training is still associated with the uh, promotion. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Uh, no, uh, so same as CCW. So yeah, ASWA Utah, and then we're ASWA Rocky Mountain. And then OVW is ASWA there now for the school for the school portion of it. What sort of but, ethos are you guys approaching in terms of like connecting two states? I mean, like that's a, that's a big endeavor. What did you ask the question again? I'm sorry. What's the ethos you guys are approaching in terms of like your your purpose, uh, your your statement? I mean, like connecting two states together—that's a lot. Uh, well, it's. I mean, they're doing their thing separate. Uh, we're doing our thing separate. We're just we're united under a philosophy, and we try to use each other's talent as much as we can. So yeah. uh, it's tough to kind of coordinate schedules and everything when you're trying to get people back and forth. Uh, but it, we're uniting underneath a, uh, a, a, a professional wrestling philosophy, uh, with Ohio Valley wrestling and, and ASWA. So, right. uh, it's, I, I, I've known Manny for a long time. Uh, you know, we used to go out there and, and I met him through wrestling there. Uh, Marty, you know, Martin Casals. I've known Marty since about 2007. Lemons uh, and Moth do stuff. So we, we have a good relationship with the Utah guys. What are you looking for in a student? What am I looking for in a student? Someone that's just willing to work hard and do what we ask him to do and is coachable. That's, that's really, really it. It really is because you really can't 
when it comes to wrestlers, you can't judge a book by its cover because you never know what they're going to do. I've, I've been in I've been in locker rooms before, and I'm not going to name names where they were shitting on Abaddon, and who did AEW pick? <laughs> the one that they shitted on. The one yeah, that they shitted on. Out. And you know what? And that's the thing. What are you getting out of that when you're shitting on? What are you? You're. What are you shitting on? Like, what, what's your? If you're shitting on somebody that's somewhere you're not, then what is that saying about you if you're not there? Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand the need for that. And, and unfortunately, you see it. You, you see it more than you'd like to. But uh, you're looking for in a student. You're looking for coachability. Agreed. Someone that's willing to. They're coming into your school, so you're looking for someone that's willing to listen. Apply what they've learned, uh, and then as they as they move on or they continue training with you, they start putting it all together and they make it their own. You know, because that's the thing. Not not everybody does everything the same. Then they find their own unique way of standing out and their own unique way of applying what they've learned. Case in point is Abaddon. Like she was coachable. She listened. She constantly worked hard. She showed up over and over again. She was given something to run with. She, she she believed in herself. She believes what she is. She believed in what she was presenting. Everybody could see that. She scared the bejesus out of everybody because she just is so good at what she does. So, you know, our job was then to give her a platform and, and, and an atmosphere to help her enhance what was inside of her. And she did that. And then look what happened because of her hard work and her ability to apply what she'd learned and make it her own. She's where she is right now. So it's well, all about taking what you've learned and then making it, making it marketable to others that feel that they can now market you. And that's exactly what she did. It's not just Abaddon, man. You've got so many good ponies in your stable, man. You've got, I mean, Heidi, Heidi blows me away every time I see her, man. Uh, like. And it's it's a it's a hard discussion to have because we're still in those trenches when girl wrestlers, boy wrestlers, female wrestlers, male wrestlers, or just wrestlers, and then you've got Heidi that can run up on everybody. And I love people like her because she is destroying barriers. She is one of the most man. I had her on my show uh, right before Corona hit, and her and I were taking drinks, just laughing it up. It was one of the best hour and a half of my life, man. Just having a great conversation with her. And she was so passionate. And she was artistic. And the the, the one thing that I really liked about her was how humble she was. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might be a wrestler. I'm just having fun. Like, girl, you're a woman. You're going to be big. <laughs> like, just just say it out loud just once. I mean, you've, I mean, you've got zero cool. You've got uh, you up-and-comers like Max Carnage. I mean, like... You got Marlon Bishop. You got Bruce Wayne. Jesus got, I mean, Christ! Yeah, if if you ain't gonna, if you're not gonna, if you get stumbled, let me know. I'll start listing some people. Keep for you. going. I got all like, emotional, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Marlon Bishop, and and I got. I mean, like I said, when I first came to your school and I met everybody, the very first person that I ever met and I was scared shitless of was Marlon Bishop. Marlon Bishop was like, oh yeah, I want to go, I want to I want to wrestle with him. And I was like, I only like wrestle like maybe, I want to say like two months I was training. And like, yeah, you can get in the ring with me. I'm like, bruh, I don't even know how to take a proper bump yet. You would fucking kill me. <laughs> Slow down. 
And to this day, he still gives me shit. Like, you, you know I'm still going to have to wrestle you and beat your ass. I'm like, well I'm, well, I'm injured, so you're going to have to wait. Okay? Right, right. got two more months. And then you can kill me afterwards. Right. <laughs> but yeah, have some got, patience. Oh, yeah, have some patience. You already waited over a year to beat my ass, so a couple of more weeks ain't going to kill you. Well, yeah. like I said, you got a lot of people. Like uh, you said, Zero Cool. So Zero Cool, Tony, is very special to me. I don't know if you know this. Josh, I don't know if you know this, Jaden, but Tony was my, you know, Zero Cool was my very, very first feud that I ever been in. And the funny thing about it was, was that he wanted to work with me. So I was still a student. And I got like six months in, six or, six or seven or eight months, and I was a referee at the time. And what was supposed to happen was, was that I was supposed to transition from referee to wrestler. And the first thing that he, uh, the promoter at the time was like, uh, hey, you want to work with, you want to work with Slick? He's like, hell yeah. You know, I mean, he, feels like, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I want to work with him. And I'm like, uh, what? And, and like I said, and we, we had a few for like three months. Uh, I were, and I, I credit a lot of my things that I learned to him. Because I learned, I did a lot of promo work. I learned how to do promos. He taught me like, oh, yeah, we'll do this. You know, show some emotion in your promos. Get angry. I just insulted your wife. I just insulted your kids. And you're the referee. And now you got to tell them, you know, he, he taught me a lot. He taught me about, you know, about promos, about character development and all that stuff. And then the match, which was his match. Now, here's the funny part. I was supposed to lose that match. I was supposed to lose. And I'm going in there like, you know what? I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna sell it like death because it's a it's a hardcore match. I'm supposed to get my ass beat. I'm just a ref, and it turns out I actually won that match. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck is supposed to happen? I thought I was supposed to lose. And Tony did. Tony did everything to make me so much better. I don't. And I, like I said, every time I see him, I give him a hug and I, I always tell him thank you. For everything he's done. Because again, and he's one of your guys. And he did not have to work with me. He did not have to do a feud with me. He didn't have to say, oh, I want to work with him. He didn't have to do nothing like that. Because he, he, was, he was a tag team champion at the time. And what was I? I was a ref. So, I, and, I, and I still, I, so Zero, uh, I shout, this is a shout out to you. I still thank you, brother. When I get healed, we all going to do a rubber match. Because I do want to fight you again. So put that out there. <laughs> no, Zero is one of the good ones. He uh, he's a he's a, a, a just an awesome person to have around, and he's willing to do whatever it takes for everyone around him. You know, he 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 really, truly cares about everybody in his life. You know, from yes, from family to to fellow wrestlers to the staff, uh, wherever he's working, he's just a solid. He's just a solid person. There's not there's there's not there's uh there's not a I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. There's just there's such an incredible value for a guy like that. Uh, and he's a rarity. Yeah, that's where you go, man. If I had ten of you, you know, but I only got yeah. one of you, and I'm so thankful that I got one of you because he's just a he's just a good guy to have around. He lifts everybody up, yeah, and yeah. you know he's got everybody else's best interests in mind because he always wants to see everyone else succeed and the entirety of the group. So we're very blessed to have a have have a guy like uh, Tony around. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. He's a great guy. He's a no. great guy. Mr. Yaden, we've had you on the phone for a while today, man. Like, we'll wind down. Like, uh, tell me, uh, what are your aspirations for Rocky Mountain Pro? Uh, you know, it, it's something that is ever evolving. We've 
there's been so many different goals and ideas since 2010 that have kind of come into play. Try this, didn't work. Try that, didn't work. Uh, think that you really got something, it gets pulled, the rug gets pulled out, so you hit the you hit the ground hard, and then you get back up and try to dust yourself off and wipe the blood out from under your nose and continue on and find the next opportunity. So that seems to be the way it always is, but right now I want our school to be you know known as one of the top schools in the country. That's a very important thing for me, and I think uh, getting getting affiliated with, with Al Snow who is a mentor of mine, uh, who did a lot to train me and, and get my my thinking uh, where it is and to kind of help mature my thinking in professional wrestling and uh, more than just in the ring. Right. And Always never stay stagnant. Always evolve. Yeah, and that's it. It's, it's just trying to find a way to continue to move forward. I never want to be... I never want to be stagnant plateau so being affiliated with someone like him i know i can call him and i'm going to get this straight from him he's never gonna he's never gonna tell me something and sugarcoat it just because of my relationship with him right uh, i know how honest he's going to be and I, he's, oftentimes he's going to say things to me that i don't really like or that might you know make me a little uncomfortable but it's true i know he's getting that and you know another another guy that's like that for me uh is bob evans brutal bob evans uh from ring of honor uncle bob uncle bob he he just nice we talk all the time he goes i tell you this stuff matt because i love you and i'm 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 never going to just try to blow smoke i want you even if i know you're going to be uncomfortable with this i'm going to tell you what's going on he'll always he will let me know what i did wrong in any situation no matter how right i might think i was or whatever excuse i come up with i know i'm going to get the straight and skinny from guys like Al and Bob. And uh, that helps me continue to, to move the company forward. So affiliating with Al, Ohio Valley Wrestling, getting out there more, opening connections for people to get opportunities. Like, that's a big thing. I want this school to be a place where if you're attending there, you're not just getting the best education you can. You're not just getting the best workout that you can. You're getting all of it plus, plus plug, getting plugged into a network. So it's like, hey, we need four or five people to go to OVW or DCW or wherever. And they know if they see, I want, this is the best way I guess I can sum it up. If someone has Rocky Mountain Pro and ASWA Rocky Mountain attached to their name, then people know this is a quality, this is a quality person, this is a quality talent, this is a quality producer. You know, because it's not just, it's not just wrestlers, it's wrestlers and referees and editors and producers and, and and Twitch and all of the streaming that we're doing, like I want them to know. Oh, you came you came from from Rocky Mount Pro. You're an ASWA. Feel okay? Yeah, we we know you're good to go. And that's that that's I want the name to carry. I love that. it. As far as the promotion, I just want as many people around the world to see it as they can. You know, obviously, uh, we had talked earlier about shutting everything down and what that did. You know, where, where it almost drove drove me out of business, where I couldn't come back. We found a way to not just come back, but we upgraded our training facility. We went hard in the paint on Twitch. Twitch has grown astronomically since May. Absolutely. Uh, you got Chris Hoff, who's our director of digital content now, just nonstop working. I you love the rewinds. I love the rewinds. Uh, him, him, Bud Bellflower, who's jumped on to help out uh, a ton. Uh, Kelly Dowdy. Uh, you know, Mark Storch, uh, JT Salazar, all these people behind the scenes that are producing all of this. We're now 
focus so much on the Twitch platform that that's our main focus is, is continuing the growth there. Because people from all over the world can see it. And Twitch is behind uh, what we're doing. And you've seen us getting placements a lot and getting a lot more viewers in there. And that's, if you, if you look at like the next two-year goal, for instance, is to just blow up Twitch and get thousands of subscribers, you know, thousands and thousands of followers, get people knowing that, hey, this is the destination where you can go and you can watch this live. And then getting all of our content TV quality and getting it out to the rest of the world on multiple platforms. Just knowing that this is a place where if you can get into professional wrestling and get high quality training and education, but you can also come here as an experienced uh, talent and get 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 great 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 uh, great coaching and great footage and great opportunities to be on our television platform and get plugged into a network where you can get opportunities outside of here too. That was a long-winded answer to that, but that's basically. <laughs> are, are you getting are you getting more uh, response from Twitch than you were when you were on I- Impact Plus? Uh, as far as like, are we getting more interaction with people from that platform versus the other one? Yeah, in terms, I mean, obviously there, you, the the numbers that you're able to access are going to be a lot more limited on Impact Plus. But are, are you seeing more success with Twitch than Impact Plus? Uh, yeah, because I can and I can see it right away and. It, Twitch has has thrown thrown their support behind us, so I, I'm in constant communication with them. Uh, they again, they they'll put us up on that front page. You'll see us on that front page carousel almost every day. Sometimes all the way to the front, right? You know, yes. and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a Monday night where we're running strength and conditioning and training, and there's over seventeen thousand people watching that. Like that, I can see right now, and I know I've got that support. I just I have more access to the metrics of Twitch and its live interaction. So it's hard to compare in the sense of the platforms are so different. Right. But um, right now, I can say over everything is is the most successful, and I can see the most growth and the most audience uh, on the Twitch platform than anything we've ever been on. Just uh, be careful if you are if you hire RVD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not in on the joke. What did I miss? Yeah, RVD, yeah, he, he pulls in his the, he pulls in his band, wife and his girlfriend and Twitch. got Impact completely banned from Twitch. Oh, well, I missed this. What happened? Uh, he oh, just, it was a little, uh, little Josh, too risque. I'll, I'll let you do that. It was a little too risque. He's a little bit too open about his weed smoking and his threesomes with his wife and his girlfriend. No, oh. the, the, the threesome, the weed smoking didn't get him. It no, was, it, it was, was the... Threesome that got him. He took TNA to a new level. <laughs> yeah, see, we can't we, we can't go back to the attitude area where you know they did a lot of sex celebrations with uh, Lita and Edge and they got away with it. You kind of you kind of get booted when you do stuff like well, that. So. Don't you worry, we will never have that problem. <laughs> I, I got a I got a baseball story for you, and I can never tell it to people because a lot of people don't understand it, but uh, my dad is an OG Colorado Rockies fan. From the early days, okay. from the he was one of the first people rocking the Rockies hat, and we were at an Albuquerque Duke show, uh, well, game. Uh, like God, I want to say it was ninety one. When, when did Rockies show up? Ninety two or ninety one? Uh, ninety three is was the first season. It, it, it Eric was, Young hitting a home run at uh, Mile High Stadium. It was the first year the the CR hat came out. My dad was rocking that, and everyone was giving him shit at this Duke show in Albuquerque. And we were we were front row, third base, and there was this this dude that was the third base uh, warm up guy, you know, throwing it to, to the third base guy. 
And we heckled him incessantly through the whole game. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Like, we, we, my dad and my, my uncles were just giving him the most shit. And uh, that was Pedro Martinez. <laughs> he ended up doing pretty good, didn't he? Just a little good. Just one of the best <laughs> Phillies ending game nine fucking <laughs> endings, man. Right, right. Uh, but I, I just wanted to say, uh, me and my dad were complete dickheads to uh, Pedro Martinez. <laughs> Well, at least you have that, because not a lot of people can say that. <laughs> he was cool, this man. We 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 heckled him the whole time, and he was cool the whole time. I, like it's hard to talk about that because a lot of people don't know the the, the baseball history. I also picked a uh, upper deck uh, random Jose Canseco card over a upper deck uh, Ken Griffey Jr. card because he wasn't Jose Oops. Canseco. You know the one with his face, and he's got the bat. Yeah. Yeah, it was five bucks, but this Jose Canseco card is five bucks too, so I fucked up. <laughs> I think I would say, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. So I just found the other night, um, it was uh, the night, I found a video that was the night that Griffey and Griffey went back to back. Oh, shit. In 1990. So I'm from, I'm from Washington State, like originally. Right. I was born in Yakima. So most of my family are Mariners fans. I, I loved the Sonics when they were still playing, like before they left Seattle. OKC, um, baby. I'm from OKC. Okay, yeah. I'll shut up. I'll uh, shut up. I'll anyway. shut up. Um, but, yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. was like, was a hero to most kids of the, of the 80s and 90s. You know, I mean, he, they show, and I watched that video with Ken Griffey Sr. going, hitting the home run in Anaheim, and then Jr. came up and hit his home run, and in the interview the next day, and then I found it. It was just a highlight video yeah. of, of Griffey's career. And it was so awesome to watch that. And again, I, like I told you guys, I'm a huge baseball fan, but to see that history and, and everything. And being in Seattle, well, near Seattle, we were about an hour outside of Seattle at the time, in t- the Tacoma area, when Griffey was 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 there and was, was, was just on fire and was like the biggest thing in the league and... Uh, I love baseball, man, and that, that era, Pedro Martinez, Griffey, uh, it's it's a, it was a fun era for not just baseball, but sports, and this could be my you know, nostalgia talking, because that's when I was a kid, but there was just something about, when I think back to the 90s especially, Griffey, Nolan Ryan is still my favorite athlete of all time, like that's a huge Nolan Ryan fan, we lived in Texas when I was in elementary school, so oh, I love Nolan Ryan, I grew up a big Pudge Rodriguez fan, because I was a catcher, you know, in Little League. Uh, but then, you know, Charles Barkley and Jordan. And I, I remember loving the Phoenix Suns because of Dan Marley and Barkley. And right. um, was it Kevin Johnson? And just what, what uh, a fun, KJ, yeah. KJ, yeah. Fun. What a fun time uh, to be a sports fan. And, again, I was, you know, early teens. But it's just uh, it, it took me back. It brought me back to, like, that kind of simpler time where you just – and you know what was great about it, though? It wasn't as much the sport itself that brought you. I loved the starter jacket, football, but I loved football and I watched a lot of basketball. I even liked hockey. I watched hockey when I could. I loved the New York Rangers. I liked uh, Mark Messier and Mike Richter, Brian Leach. There was a story behind the New York Rangers winning the Stanley yeah, Cup, yeah. and that's what got me hooked into it. There was uh, you were emotionally connected to these characters, to these larger than life. Personalities. Agreed. Ken Griffey Jr. was a larger-than-life personality, the sweetest swing in baseball. Got to play on a professional team with his dad. Went back-to-back with him, like back-to-back home runs or back-to-back home runs. Back-to-back home runs when your father and son do it in the majors. 
That's a story. That's a movie. That's a movie. Sports is the same as pro wrestling. It's like you care about the story. When there's a fight happening, you want to hate someone, you want to love somebody. You care about their struggle. And, or you seeing someone get knocked off, you, you know, you see, you, you love when the Yankees get knocked off unless you're a Yankees fan. Because you're like, yeah, yeah, the underdogs, right? That's what we're doing in pro wrestling. And that's, you're that's damn the right. art form. You're damn so right. So it, it spreads across it all. And I think if you can, I, everything I think of is you've seen ties back into wrestling. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember Griffey, and it's just like wrestling is with, <laughs> um, that's that's what we're trying to make people feel. I want somebody in 20 years, 30 years, to remember something from Rocky Mountain Pro that they go, yeah, man, that Rocky Mountain Pro I was on Twitch, dude, and like this happened with Curtis Cole when he blah 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 did this, and, and be talking to some guys or talking to a family member about what it meant to them and how their nostalgia is like, oh, making them, giving them the feels, man, they're feeling all good. Um, the shirt. That's the ultimate goal of what we do. No, and I appreciate that, man. You're bringing me back, man, because I actually defected from the the Dodgers when I was a kid because I was seduced by Jose Canseco. And but you can't argue with that because those years I mean, we're talking Mark McGuire, Ricky Henderson, the big unit. We're talking, uh, I mean, a little bit uh, down the street. We're talking uh, Oral Hershiser in the in the in the, in the Dodgers. He's my favorite pitcher of all time. We're talking seeing Nolan Ryan choke a guy out like that's yeah. like twenty years that's younger. Than. Most famous. Clip ever is him grabbing he Robin Ventura who's half his age and just. Yeah. And I remember reading a magazine once, and they were like, I think someone asked him, "Where did you learn to do that?" And it was like, like you know, wrestling steer or something. <laughs> it's like, this is just a bad. This is a badass country boy right there. Yeah. And you're like, he's he's old. I'm going to charge him out. And it's like, nope. He got <laughs> yeah. choked out and punched you know, in the face. A but bunch that's of times, you know man. what? It's funny you say. So Barry, remember Barry Larkin? Of course I do. You know why I remember Barry Larkin? Tell me. Because I don't know if it was in the World Series or in the NLCS, but he took a high fastball off of his left hand and broke it. I remember. And then he had to wear that huge thing on his hand. And I remember, that's that's what I remember. And Barry Larkin was a badass baseball player. But I remember him toughing through that. He still played. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, dude, that that guy's a badass. So, Again, we love the games themselves, but that's the stuff that connects you to them. That you, I, I watched Nolan Ryan's seventh no hitter as a kid. Like, what a big deal that was! Just another game, right? But seven no, no hitters for this guy in his career, Un- unbelievable. I had a plaque I remember hanging in my room for years from that seventh no hitter that he had. There's a. I was in an airport when I was working at TNA. I remember we were go- going to. I, I forget where we were flying, but I was sitting in a, in a like a bar and grill. I was in the airport, and I sat was sitting. And eating, and I looked up, and it had a picture of Nolan Ryan in a home white uniform, licking his top lip because he was bleeding from his lip all the way down. It was blood all over the front of his uniform from when Bo Jackson hit a hot shot right back at him and it hit him in the lip. And I, he threw. I think I remember him throwing him out, and then pitching several more innings. Yeah, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't like wipe it. He just kind of, he just kept licking it, and he just, eh, eh. <laughs> and I was like, dude, this guy's so bad. I love this the most guy. badass thing in the world. It is. Look at this. So I saw that. Take a picture. Sent it to my older brother. Like, dude, look at this guy. I wish I had five hundred dollars to buy this thing, but I don't. But that, and, and, and you take it one step further. It was a, it was a good memory for my older brother and I to connect back on again. You go, dude, you remember when, remember when Bo Jackson hit that. Chopper right back at Nolan Ryan and bust him in the face. Because I remember in the fourth grade going to school, because we were still in Texas, and Mr. Carrington, my fourth grade teacher, had the newspaper article up on the thing, and it was a big deal. 
damn big like, deal. These are the, this is what emotion does to you. I remember something like that. Right. And we get to do that every day when we when we put on boots and go out there and try to give people memories that it's they might be matters. on a podcast thirty years later talking about. It, it's what matters, man. It's 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 art in its highest form that you can enjoy in so many different levels. You can hear someone talk about it thirty years from now. You can watch a YouTube video of it happen. You can remember when you watched it with your dad. It matters, and it's what it's one of my favorite things when I interview people is when they say wrestling saved me. When I hear Lilith talk about wrestling saving her, when I when I see her, I, I, I've been following Lilith since she started. Man, I was there the, one of the first nights she debuted at New Era, and I cornered her and was like, "Yo, let's record." And she's like, "Cool." <laughs> and, and now uh, we roast each other all the time, man. And it's, it's one of those great things and in, in great relationships. And I can't wait to develop a better one with Rocky Mountain Pro. Well, we're here, and we. We appreciate you guys. You can come back there anytime. If you want to cover some stuff, just let us know. And so we're back tomorrow. Uh, first charge taping since March. Like, it's exciting. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, we had mentioned Twitch. Like, that's where we're really putting a lot of our focus. So if you can't be there, you know, that's where you can watch it. If you want to cover anything, you have any questions on it, you want to write anything up about it, like, you just let us know. We, uh, we're happy to have you guys I, uh, hanging out with us. We share a love of pro wrestling. That's what's fun about this. That's the best part about it, brother. And if I, I actually have to get my eyes dilated in the morning, if I can uh, shake up a headache, uh, I'm going to haul ass to Denver. Yeah, come on down. Maybe bring this guy with you sometime. I'd hope so, uh, but man. He's got a hot wife that's I'm taller than him. Because, like I said, uh, Josh knows what's up, but uh, I would love, love, love to come to another uh, Rocky Mountain show, a Rocky Mountain Pro show. Because the last show that I went to. Um, I want to say it was when we did that four day. Yeah, we yeah. Did that, yeah, we did four that four day camp day. with four shows. What a yeah, give that was that. Okay, let's just put it this way: my wife, lover, God bless her, Miss Slick. The, the reason why, let's just put it this way: I'm so glad that I got a tag team partner in life because she was in Denver. So I was in four days. I was at four days with you guys, and then I had to do show. I had to stick around with most of the shows afterwards. So she's in Denver with my two kids all over the place, and they're driving her crazy. And she's like, uh, "How many more days of this you got left? Because uh, <laughs> I love you and I trust you, but you might be a couple of kids short if you don't get your ass back here." So, but no, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, like I said, if I can. Get my my ducks in a row. I would love to do uh, a show with you know Josh up there at a at a charge taping or any Rocky Mountain Rocky ta- uh, Mountain Pro taping that that could get us. I would love yeah, to come on. To, so the schedule, just so you guys know. Please tell us. Yeah, tell us how to find you on Facebook, everywhere, and what the shows are coming up. Yeah. So uh, schedule wise, we got we've got the twenty sixth tomorrow. Uh, we've got October 9th is October. That's uh, we're back at Beerstadt there in Denver. So mm-hmm. we'll be at Beerstadt on October 9th for October. October 23rd we'll be at Beerstadt for TV again. November 13th, December 4th, December 18th. Those will be the television taping. So uh, we're back working there. Uh, you can find us online rmpwrestling.com, and you can you know get tickets from there and see upcoming events, uh, all of that stuff. As far as the social medias. Rocky Mountain Pro's main main page, uh, main social medias that have the events and everything. It's at the Rocky MTN Pro, and that's across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us for the Twitch specific stuff, it's RMP on Twitch. So add RMP on Twitch across all the platforms. 
and then Twitch at Rocky Mountain Pro. So, you know, we, we do have a YouTube channel, Rocky Mountain Pro, but the main area, if you want to watch Rocky Mountain Pro right now, is on Twitch. Uh, so tomorrow, for instance, subscribers will get the stream live. So there will be a two-hour pre-show that everybody gets, 8 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, goes to subscriber only. Two episodes take tomorrow, so our subscribers will get that before everyone else. Everyone else isn't going to get these episodes till November. So wow. it's one of the perks of being a, a subscriber there. But that's where you can yeah. find us. Well, and you can find me at Mercury Aiden across all those platforms if you care to. We <laughs> cannot tell you how happy we are having the show, man. Thank you for being on Minefields, walking through the minefields. Don't hang up. We are over and out. This transmission is over. Don't hang up, brother. Letters. Yay. Hat. Dude, that was that was great, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yes, I mean, I guess we went a lot longer than you guys probably expected. No, that's uh, it's long form. <laughs> it's long form. I, I was actually uh, planning on uh, keeping you longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, well, so we, uh, you, need to, you need to go for for real. <laughs> no, I've got I've got wrestling and success to achieve. I'll find a chick later. I'll be fine. Yeah, well, yeah. That's it. Let, let her just accidentally stumble across you. Don't look yourself. It hasn't worked for me. I'm almost forty, and I keep trying to do that, and it doesn't work out very well. I'm thirty-eight, uh, man, and I, I'd rather succeed. I'd rather jerk off and drink a couple drinks and not worry about some fucking bullshit. Where are you? Where Where are you coming back? No, I don't. Mm-mm. No, I'm making wow. some more. Making some art here. You're making me. You're making me feel horrible right now because out of the three of us, I'm like happily married. But you're happily married. We're happier. Married. Let you go do a four day camp with four shows. So you you figured it out. Well, uh, well, the thing about it is, uh, with me and my wife, we support each other on everything that we do. So, for example, she's doing modeling now. So she's doing photography. Oh, she's doing modeling. And the thing about it is, is that she came to me and she said, "Hey, Tony, do you? How would you feel if I started doing modeling and photography?" I told her, I said, why not fucking go for it? Because you, because I'm, I'm, I'm nine years older than my wife, okay? So she's still in her young 30s. I'm in my, my young 40s. And I told her, I said, you never know until you actually tried. And you actually supported me at 41 to do the wrestling thing. And you've, we've, we've came up with money that we did not have. We came up with time that we did not have. We came up with resources that we did not have. And everything that, every time that I wanted to quit, whether it was some bullshit with other stuff or I didn't feel like I was grasping everything, she was always telling me, no, no, you need to do this. Don't quit. You, you're actually good at it. And like I said, with the sideline, with the injury, she still, cause I was, after, and, and Josh will tell you, after, my knee injury, I was like, yep, I'm done. I can't do it. And she's like, no, you're not. You got an ACL. You'll, you'll heal through that. You'll, you'll lose weight. You'll go back in the ring and you'll be better than you was before. So when she wanted to do the modeling, I was like, hey, you've pushed me through two years of this shit and you never want, you never let me quit once. So you want to do modeling? Go ahead and do it. You, if you want me to stay home with the kids, I'll do it. I don't give a shit. You go ahead and you kill it in the modeling. You know, you represent and you do what you do. So I'm 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 lucky in that aspect. Yaden, it just occurred to me something. I'm not discrediting yeah. what you just said. It just popped in my head. Do you still have a Game Boy? Oh yeah. Oh wow. My daughter has it in her room. She loves that thing. She plays Ninja Turtles: Fall of the Foot Clan all the time. I was uh, about to say because I have an extra original one if you want it. I'll take it, yeah, because mine's all beat up, man. The, the front thing's, like, ripped off no, of it. So uh, I'm... Uh, it's I funny, I'm on, a, I'm on a path now with that retrograde show I'm doing on Twitch. Like, I'm trying to play through all Nintendo and SNES games ever released in North America. 
Ever, but I, there's so many I don't have, so I'm trying to get donations on there, and then I can kind of get a pool oh, and start buying some. Oh, oh, you, oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, you, you don't want to do that. Hold on, do that. hold on. I bought my sister this for Christmas three years ago, and I bought one of my best friends, uh, the girl I was telling you about, was giving her boy some girl advice today. For Christmas, I bought her a raspberry pie. You ever heard what that is? Yeah. Oh, I have one. It's, it's... The Raspberry Pi has every game from Atari to 64 on it. Yeah, Gossert actually got it hooked up for me when he knew I was doing it. So him and him and Jeff hooked me up with one. It, the, the only thing that sucks about it is that the uh, Ninja Turtles 2 arcade game is like lizards or something. They, they changed the characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's some things on there. Like, for instance, Airwolf. I was playing through Airwolf, which is god-awful. But you have to hit select to slow down. What? And it does, when you hold oh. select, like in the original game, it would keep slowing down, but you got to keep hitting it. So you just, it, you can't, it's, it's basically unplayable. Yeah. So I had to emulate that from my computer. Because even if I have the cartridge right now, it's just, I don't have all the equipment to capture original hardware. So I emulate it. So he got me this pie. And then Time Lord, I started to play that the other night. That's what I'm trying to get through now. And the game will start, the start menu, you go past it, and then it just glitches out. So some of them don't work right. Yeah. Some of them the sounds off. So you got to be real, real cautious with that. But it's still, dude, I've got I've got eleven different game systems on there, so I can't complain. Call me I, when you're I, playing. I, I played Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde and actually beat it surprisingly. I never ever. How, even how did you close. beat that without losing your mind? Because that game is so glitch filled. I, I remember when only I beat when it I with did Jane buy Jeannie. it, and I'm like, Mom, only game take this shit back. It's awful. <laughs> it's gonna be a ghost. It's horrible. It it's is, awful. Man. It is I shitty. Did it. I did it. You just gotta. It's a walking simulator, basically. And 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 then you turn into hide, and you got to get out of that as quick as you can. But no, I just hung in there and eventually figured out where to go. And then I had seen a video from several years ago from the Angry Video Game Nerd, and then Mike Matei had done a video beating it. So I knew, like, okay, in the sixth level, I've got to turn into hide and just keep going. So I I was able to to do that, beat it, and but this could take me eight years to get through that. And now we've added. If you donate fifty bucks, I'll play any retro game pre two thousand for you. But I, I still need to have the original copies of it. So I'm trying to start collecting again and getting the original copies of all of this. I've stuff. got a I've got a stack of sixty four games. I got about fifty of them. Um, not sixty four, Super Nintendo, and a shitload of N sixty four and uh, regular NES. But let me know when you're doing Bayana Commando or Contra. I will. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, uh, no Contra codes uh, challenge on uh, Contra. Or, or GI Joe, or GI Joe. Uh, that game. Oh God, you're going way back. Holy yeah. So the next game for me, I gotta go back because the ones I didn't beat, I'm gonna go back and try again. Final Fantasy VI, I got 42 hours in. Was like, okay, I gotta move on for a little bit because I'm just burnt out. And playing those games on Twitch is tough because you're not getting as much of the story because you're constantly talking to people. So and then once I'm done with Time Lord, I'll go back to Final Fantasy VI. Um, and then I've got to try to go through pro wrestling and beat it because I, 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 you got to beat like you got to defend the belt twenty times before you wrestle Great Puma, which is supposed <laughs> to be one of the hardest bosses in NES history. So I'm going to try that. But the next game after Time Lord is kind of open unless somebody donates the twenty five dollars to pick it. So that's how it works. Like if they donate twenty five dollars, I, I got twenty five bucks. NES, SNES game, fifty dollars they can get any wrestling game. 
I might just do enough DoorDashes. I got twenty five bucks. Just to get battle toads. Just to get battle toads and oh. lose your ever loving mind, especially in uh, what that damn stage where it's the tunnel. You're just not getting, level. Yeah, you are not getting past that. You you will pro- the next time I come to one of your seminars, you're probably gonna punch me in the face because you are not getting past that stage. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go dash for that alone. Yeah, work well, for a couple hours so I can play Battletoads. It's, my friend and I used to play it all the time when I was a kid, and two players harder than one player, so oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's you one of those you got to play on your own. Yeah, you do. You ever play Battletoads? Uh, a million times on, on uh, NES and on Game Boy. It was so much harder on Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Battletoads for SNES I can get through pretty easily. That's not nearly as hard, but... Yeah. We, but yeah. Another- and one more thing, and I gotta actually dip out because yeah. wife is probably wondering if I'm gonna live down here. Uh, there was uh, a Super Mario. I don't know if you remember this. So the Super. Okay, so you remember what Super Mario Two, where it was it was trash, but that wasn't the. You're, you're, Super you're Mario talking about the, That's my favorite Super Mario. 2, you're bro. talking about the unbeatable original Super the Mario. Lost yeah. Le- the original Super Mario Two, the lost levels. The so, Japanese. The Japanese. Yeah, the Japanese version. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I actually played Lost Levels on Super Nintendo. It's, I have that remember. on here, but dude, I, people people shit on Mario too, the North American one. That's my still this day my favorite Mario game. So three three and is my favorite. I, yeah, yeah, because because two, I was I was like I was playing this and I'm like, what, what is? This? Yeah, I love two. But I didn't know any better too. I mean, we're we're close to the same age. Like I didn't know it was a Japanese reskin of Doki Doki Panic. I, I didn't. I didn't. Know, that's the funny thing. I did not know about that until about five years ago. Five yeah, years yeah. Ago. All right. I'm I'm look I'm looking to brag here. Maximum Carnage. Madden. Oh man, the original Madden. No, just for Super Nintendo, not the original. The the original Super Nintendo one. Right, right. Oh, Lord. Castlevania. Oh, Timon Lord. and Puma. I don't know about that one. Aladdin. Never oh, that it. game was that's hard. All Stars. Love All Stars. Okay. Tournament Fighters. Never played it. I played that. Star Fox. Up. <laughs> I just beat Star Fox on stream about a month ago. Okay. Donkey Kong. Jungle Strike. Robocop Terminator. Strike. That one's terrible. Zelda. Great. Okay, Jungle great. Book. Batman Returns. Oh, no. Batman Returns. NBA, NBA Jam, Jam, baby. Oh, the best basketball God. game of all time. Wheel of I Fortune. Still the tournament edition. A lot of fun. My, oh, why are we friends? My creme de la creme spawn. You know what? So that's funny. So I found that in a bargain bin, and I never, I didn't even know what spawn was. I'd never seen the comic book. And that made me a fan of the comic book. And then the movie came out uh, in the late 90s, and I was incredibly disappointed. Oh, yeah. I think everybody Pilot was. Wings. Pilot Wings is hard as Pilot Wings. Oh, that's hard. Home Alone 2. Holy uh, shit. Super Game oh. Boy is awesome. That's how I beat uh, Link's Awakening was on a Super Game Boy. That game was so fucking hard. Yeah. I couldn't do it on a Game Boy, but I did it on a Super Game Boy. I want to play the remake that they that they released. Yeah. Oh, I've seen a couple. Of, yeah, I've seen a couple of clips on that. Look pretty cool. Super. All right, all right, guys. Yeah, gentlemen, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute honor, Yaden. Thank you Thank very you. much. Uh, I couldn't think of any way of 
was spending my Friday night because they were going to maybe watch some dumbass Disney movie. So <laughs> I'm glad I'm down here with you guys. Uh, I will see you in the near future, hopefully. Right, hopefully yeah, absolutely. With, with this guy. Josh, hey man, hit me up in the morning. I'm gonna go ahead and do a couple of hours of dashing in the morning. Cool. We'll get, we'll bullshit and do whatever. Always um, a pleasure, gentlemen. Y'all have a great night. Mr. Thanks, man. See ya. Minefields, this transmission is over. This is dangerous.